0: all right thank you all all right and thank you to those who are serving it's tempting to walk around with a container full of chocolate you know what i mean (laughs) praise the lord i bring greetings to you on behalf of pastor john and uh miss anita today they send their love to you today and uh uh and uh, we're just honored and blessed to have the uh, the, the, the privilege and the responsibility of, of feeding you this morning. So uh, let's go ahead and uh, focus in on one particular scripture as we get started. I want you to go to Mark chapter 14 as we get into the word today. And uh, we're going to believe God for some real good things. Here's the thing. You can always... Um, the thing that makes a difference is when you believe God for uh, a voice to be able to speak, ears that, that are able to hear. By the way, yes, D2O and Jumpstart, you are dismissed. I forgot to tell you that, but I see you already getting up and going, so you can keep on going. But uh, one thing that, that is so vital and so very important is that uh, uh, we, we can pray for utterance. You know, if you're the one speaking, you can ask God to give you utterance. If you're praying for somebody else speaking to you, you can ask God to give them utterance. You can believe for ears that hear and eyes that see. There's the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. So that means that you get things. That means that rather than just hearing words like, you can hear the word of God and boom, lightning bolt. The light gets turned on. You see things that you've never seen before and understand things like you've never seen it before. And you say, I know I read that verse. Where was I? Because it's just alive to you in a fresh way. Amen. Yes. So Mark chapter 14. Let's go ahead and check that out today as we get started. We'll start with verse 3. And it says, And, uh, Being in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at the table, a woman came having an alabaster flask of very costly oil of spikenard. Then she broke the flask and poured it on his head. But there were some who were indignant among themselves and said, why was this fragrant oil wasted? For it might've been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. And they criticized her sharply. But Jesus said, let her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a good work for me, for you have the poor with you always, and whenever you wish, you may do them good, but me you do not have always. She has done what she could. She has come beforehand to anoint my body for burial. Assuredly, I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her. And uh, what we're going to talk about today, you might have guessed already. We're talking about four qualities of a God girl. How many God girls are in the house? Let me hear you. And so this being Mother's Day today, we wanted to go ahead and dedicate something to the ladies, both to those who are mothers, uh, those who are not, those who someday will be. But, uh, But the great thing about the Word of God, and one thing I want to make it clear for the guys, is that the Word of God, the principles of the Word, apply to everybody. So even though we're giving the lady some extra special attention today, man, I'm telling you, you're going to get a whole lot out of the word today because the same principles of the word apply to you as well. But uh, as we examine this lady here who came before Jesus, first of all, I want to go ahead and uh, mention what these four qualities are that we're going to spend the time looking at today. Uh, She came in. And she broke this flask that she had of some very costly oil and poured it on Jesus. And one thing I want you to see that's a characteristic of a a God girl (laughs) is that she was genuinely liberated, genuinely liberated. And what I mean by that is that here she is, knowing that she's going to do something that might catch some attention, knowing that somebody might say something. Oh, Lord. And you know those people that say something. And so, so here she is in this setting, uh, but liberated enough to not care who says what. Liberated enough to not care about the opinions of others. Liberated enough to not care about the flack she's going to get about the flask. Hey, praise the Lord. Genuinely liberated. And you also see that she's internally beautiful. Internally beautiful. How do you see that? You see that because Jesus said in verse 6, he said, let her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a good work for me. And the one thing about internal beauty is you see selflessness. Selflessness. She didn't do what was good for her because if she was doing what was good for her, she may not, not have done something that drew so much attention to her. She, she might have thought of something different to be doing at the moment. But she, as, a, as someone with real, genuine, internal beauty, was not thinking about what she could do for her. She was thinking about what she could do for Jesus. Praise the Lord. Practically relevant. That's another one of these qualities. So you got genuinely liberated, internally beautiful. You also see that she was practically relevant. She was doing something that wasn't just an outpouring of her love and expression to Jesus. But she was doing something that had a practical purpose. Jesus said that she had come beforehand to anoint his body for burial. And one thing you realize in life. It's not just the Shundai moments that count. Those of you that don't know what Shundai means, let me translate, all right? It's not just those real ooey-gooey spiritual moments that count. Where you're just having a moment with the Lord and, oh, hallelujah. Sometimes those practical moments where you're being very practical in what you're doing. Uh, Sometimes those moments, and I'm talking to mamas today, so mamas, you know those practical moments, you know, those, those times when uh, something just needed to be changed or something just needed to be cleaned up or, hey, come on now. There's a whole lot of practical in life. And one thing about the God girl is that she's not just caught up with the spiritual side of life, even though she puts spiritual things first, but she's also very much aware of the practical side of life. And then finally, we see this. Genuinely liberated, internally beautiful, practically relevant. And how about this one? Eternally significant. Because she did something that was of such significance that Jesus made a statement that he didn't make about a whole lot of people if he made it about anybody. He said, everywhere that the gospel is preached, this is going to be told about her. That means she did something of eternal significance. Hallelujah. Something that will stand the test of time. As a matter of fact, Three out of the four gospel writers recorded this particular incident. So let's check this out today. Are you ready for this? Let me hear all my God girls out there. All right. Now let me hear my God guys out there. Are y'all still in the house? All (laughs) All right. Genuinely liberated, internally beautiful, practically relevant, and eternally significant. All right. Let's dig into these one at a time. Genuinely liberated. Now, we, we've heard a whole lot of talk about women being liberated. And the, the, the only problem is, is that some of the ways that the, the world has defined being liberated sounds more like bondage than liberation. Now, God's idea of liberation is true liberty. And I want you to know this, that if you look at world religions you will see that one of the earmarks of Christianity is that where Christianity has gone and where the true gospel has been preached. Woo, girls, hey, you've been elevated you've been lifted up and been able to experience great and wonderful things because where the gospel goes, genuine liberty goes. And, and, and women especially, all people, but women especially, have been liberated where the gospel has been preached. And it's no wonder that the very first promoters of the gospel on resurrection morning, hey, come on girls, pat yourself on the back right now. It wasn't the boys that Jesus talked to first, it was the ladies. And you know what he told the ladies? He said, go tell the guys. (laughs) I thought you'd like that. All right. But talk about being genuinely liberated. You know, you can't help. I I think of this lady in in, uh, Luke chapter 13, and uh, it says that she was bent over, and uh, she uh, couldn't lift herself up. Imagine being bent over. I mean, just couldn't do anything about it. I I mean, she was in this condition for 18 years, and she was in the, the synagogue one day, and Jesus said to her, Woman, you are loose from your infirmity. And what happened? This lady that was bent down, woo, made straight and glorified God. Hallelujah. And what did Jesus say? In verse 16, he said it. Ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, that's a significant statement, daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound, think of it for 18 years, be loose from this bond on the Sabbath. So Jesus, in his way of thinking, which should be our way of thinking too, was that this woman should be free because she's a daughter of Abraham, which means she's a daughter of the covenant. Abraham had a covenant with Almighty God. She's a daughter of Abraham. She's in on the same deal. She's in on the same covenant. And in the mind of Jesus, this woman ought not be like this. She ought to be like this. She ought not be bound she ought to be loosed. And I want you to know, daughters of Abraham, you ought to be loosed. You ought to be free. When we talk about being genuinely liberated, that's what we're talking about today. Whatever has bent you down in life, your past may have bent you down. Guilt may have bent you down. Regret may have bent you down. But you know what the Lord's saying to you today? Woman, you are loose. Hallelujah. You're loose. Of your infirmity. You're loose from whatever it is that has bent you down. So now, instead of going along the same way and continuing in the same routine and the same pattern, when you realize the genuine liberation that is available to you as a child of God, come on now. We ain't staying in the same condition anymore. We're going to take advantage of what's ours and experience God's best for our life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How about some genuine liberty and praise and worship yeah, yeah you know we, we so, you know I get to watch people, you know even though i 'm participating in praise and worship myself, I get the birds eye view a lot, so you know not get to see how people are doing and you, you know I know the psalm says, "I bless the Lord at all times, and his praises shall continually be in my mouth and and, and some people their their mouth's not moving, and I say all right, Now now there still might be praise in there, but that praise is trapped. Someone need to let the praise out. Amen. You know? So, so some people are acting more like they, they uh, went to a funeral than a celebration. But I got to tell you something about genuine liberty in praise and worship, because when you realize who he is, and when you realize who you are because of who he is, that's a whole different perspective on your life, somebody. When you realize that because of him, you got the promised land down the road in front of you, but you finally got Egypt and Pharaoh behind you, then you're going to do like Miriam and those girls did back in the book of Exodus after they crossed the Red Sea. When, in uh, chapter 15 and 20, it says that Miriam the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took the timber on her hand. And all the uh, women went out after her with timbrels and with dances. And and they said, Sing to the Lord for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and its rider has thrown into the sea. You know what? I'll tell you, after seeing what God just did, after seeing the way they were delivered, after seeing the way that those walls of the Red Sea collapsed in on Pharaoh and his army, they weren't just going to go ahead and stand there and say, Praise the Lord. (laughs) No, they go really get it on with their praise. Come on now. And when you think about what he's done, woo! Yeah, I think about these old gospel songs. You don't know like I know what he's done for me. You know, when, when you've got a personal experience, a personal story. When you know where you were and where you are, and the only way you could have gotten there was God. You will have a moment of being genuinely liberated in your praise. It's a moment where you think more about him and the one who did it and what he did than who looking at you at the time. Come on. You know, this lady that went and knowing that Jesus, I, uh, of course, C.C. Uh, Winans sang a, a beautiful song called Alabaster Box, written right about that particular instance. And uh, the line in there, uh, it said, you don't know the cost of the oil in my alabaster box. And somebody may not know the cost of the oil. They may not know the story that preceded the glory. But I got to tell you, you know what it is. You know what God did. You know what happened and how it happened. And the only way it could happen was that God made it happen. And it did happen, praise the Lord. So therefore, you're more into him and more appreciative in him and more concerned about pouring out your heart to him than caring about what people think about how you look. Which means if you want to do one of these, you can do one of those. Hallelujah. You know, like Jesus coming into Jerusalem on uh, Palm Sunday and, and those, those religious guys trying to get everybody to quiet down. Tell them to be quiet. Make too much noise. And what was Jesus' response? If these quiet down, the rocks will cry out. Come on. Hallelujah. So be genuinely liberated in your praise and worship. But talking about being genuinely liberated, let me tell you this. You are free to be fearless. Free to be Fearless. By the way, side note for you guys, you know, we, we read about Miriam getting the timbrel and getting the dance and doing all that. And you, you think, yeah, that's, that's great for the ladies in the church. Y'all know. But let me remind you guys of a king named David. And there was a day when the, the ark that carried God's presence was coming down the road. And David got his dance on. Oh, yeah. And he danced so much that his wife picked on him for being so... hmm, Being so dancing, Yeah. <laughs> so fancy and dancey, right? But the thing is, he didn't care because I'll tell you, he was more excited about the God that he was serving. And he was more excited about the presence of God coming to the city than he was about caring about what anybody thinks, including his own wife. Imagine that. Hallelujah. So I just say that to you guys. Don't think you're getting out of that one. Could that same praise break that we're talking to the ladies about is for you as well. Amen. Amen. So let's go on with this idea of free to be fearless. We talked about being a daughter of Abraham earlier. Well, you know, Abraham wasn't a, a, a single father here. Abraham had a wife named Sarah. The Bible also talks about you as daughters of Sarah too. Interesting. And this is 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 6. Talk about free to be fearless. As Sarah obeyed Abraham calling him Lord whose daughters you are. If you do good and are not afraid with any terror. Someone say fearless. 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 Oh yeah. Something about looking in the mirror. And, 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 you know, I'm I'm a big believer in talking to yourself. I talk to myself all the time. I mean, I don't do it in the middle of Walmart, but I do do it all the time. I have some sense, you know. But there, there's something about speaking the word to, to yourself and always being in the, in the mode and the routine uh, of confessing the word. And I got Dave, you, want to know a good something to say? I will not fear. I will not fear. I will not fear. I am fearless. I want to hear the girls say I'm a daughter of Sarah and I'm fearless. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I hear a little attitude in that. Come on now. And I'll tell you what, talk about the ultimate God girl. The Proverbs 31 woman is the ultimate God girl. And what does it say? In Proverbs 31, 25, the new living says she is clothed with strength and dignity and she laughs without fear of the future. Woo! Hallelujah. Think about this. Rather than thinking about the bills, rather than thinking about all the things that you could possibly be concerned about, worried about, things that that, uh, need attention, things that need to be done by this time. Uh, you, You know, you feel like the whole world's on your shoulders and that you're responsible for all of it, but that's only a feeling. When you go ahead and look to the Lord and realize the truth of the word and the truth of who he is and the truth of who you are, you can go ahead and laugh without fear of the future. That's what I'm talking about. Fearless daughters of Sarah here today. You know, to talk about fearless, you can't help but think of Queen Esther. When, you know, having a moment where she realized that what she has to do is go into the very presence of the king and approach him. But in the protocol of the day, if you go into the king's court and approach him and you're not invited, and he does not raise up the scepter to you to allow you entrance... So, I mean, she's really facing something here. But I got to tell you, you just got to love the spirit of what she said. She said, somebody got to do something. And she said, if I perish, I perish. Talk about fearless. I love it. I think she said that with her hands on her hip too. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Praise the Lord. You know what? One interesting thing, and I'll just pass this on to you real quick because we don't have time to go there. But if you look at Numbers 27, 1 through 11, you will read about this guy you never heard of. Or if you heard of him, you may have forgotten about him. This guy's name is Zelophehad. And he had several daughters. He died and no brothers in the family, just girls. And so what did the daughters do? They went to Moses and said, hey, Moses, our daughter's dead. There's no brothers, and we want to know what's going on with the inheritance. Because up until that point in time, there was not a provision made for the girls, if there was nothing but girls, to get the inheritance. Well, Moses said, well, I never hit one like this before, so I better talk to the Lord about it. You know, and a new scenario came up that he had not dealt with before, so he talked to the Lord about it. And you know what the Lord said? The girls are right. And because of the decision of those daughters of Zelophehad to go ahead and talk to Moses, it actually caused a a new provision to be made. It actually caused a new new, uh, precedent to be set for how inheritances were handled in Israel. Why is that? Because some girls stood up and said something. Because they were free enough and liberated enough to go ahead and stand up and speak the truth. And when Moses talked to God, you know what God said? Like I said uh, a few minutes ago, God said, the girls are right. And so something was established and settled in Israel as far as how to handle situations like this. Why? Because somebody spoke up. That's just a little extra. So you can look that one up for yourself, because we don't have time to get into all that, but that's Numbers 27, 1 through 11. You know, one one great thing, and as as you look through Scripture, uh, one of the things that amazed me, talking about fearless, uh, especially fearless women, uh, you look at uh, Exodus chapter 1, where where you've got the midwives in Egypt at the time where Pharaoh's wanting to go ahead and and kill the male children and let the girls live. And it says, but the midwives feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt commanded, but saved the male children alive. Come on now. i tell you, that's a pretty amazing thing. When you take a look at that and you see that they chose to obey God rather than man, that they did not fear the possible uh, repercussions that could happen to them for obeying God, they just chose to obey him anyhow. And you know, i tell you, one thing that's amazing is when you look at the life of Mary, the mother of Jesus. And you think about the enormity of what it felt like when she heard that news. Me? When the angel spoke to her and said, me, I, I'm going to go ahead and be with child by, by some other means other than the natural process of things and that the child I'm carrying is going to be the son of God. But you know what? The fearless, faith-filled response It's just so awesome. Luke 138. She said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. Can I talk to some fearless people today that when you get a word from the Lord and when you get instructions from the Lord, no matter what you think about how it might rattle people around you or no matter what you think about uh, what it might potentially cost you, let me tell you, when you're fearless and you go with God, that's always the way to go because obeying God doesn't cost, it pays. Hallelujah. So that's talking about genuinely, genuinely liberated. How about internally beautiful? Internally beautiful. Now for you guys, uh, let me share a little story with you. Um, I remember when my daughter was real little and I would always say this to her. I said, the most important thing is a beautiful heart. And she would say, well, dad, you're a boy, so you're going to have a handsome heart. <laughs> so, all right. So, so we're we good. How many handsome hearts we got in the house? All right, all right. But internally beautiful. Let's check this out. First of all, let's go to Proverbs 11. This is 1122 in the New Living Translation. A beautiful woman who lacks discretion is like a gold ring and a pig snout. Oh, boy, we're going to have some fun now. Come on. <laughs> you know, uh, uh, the, the past Ray translation of that. Oh, boy. Outward beauty without inward beauty is like jewelry on a pig. Isn't that the truth? Outward beauty without internal beauty is like jewelry on a pig. I'll tell you, it is so important. You know, uh, despite the fact that I'm a big believer that you do spend time in front of the mirror. I was in front of the mirror today, myself. I do that every morning. We all do it. And it's not that that's not important. But if you neglect the person on the inside, you are neglecting the biggest part of you. You're paying attention more to the house you live in, but not the you that lives in the house. Mm. Proverbs 31, verse 30, talking about internal beauty. Charm is deceitful and beauty is passing. But a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Yeah. Talk about prioritizing, putting first things first. Doesn't that just get right down to it? You see, guys, let me talk to the guys for a minute. You see, there are some girls that look good, but are very, very high maintenance. and might wear out the warranty in the first five minutes. Come on now. (laughs) See, y'all own cars and you know that sometimes you need to take the car to the shop. And sometimes maintenance is required on the car and that's all right. But your idea of marriage is not having to live at the repair shop, you know what I mean? All right. (laughs) But I tell you, when you are focused on internal beauty, And how important that is. You know, uh, you realize this. That internal beauty actually causes a woman to look more externally beautiful. Oh, yeah. Oh, just in time. (laughs) My wife walked in just as I said that. Oh, yeah. She still make my liver quiver. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So let me repeat that before I had myself a husband moment there. Internal, be- internal beauty causes a woman to look more externally beautiful. Well, the flip side of that is internal ugliness. Oh Lord, they'll turn all that beauty into a non-factor. You know what? What you thought was so important is like yeah, I'm not, yeah, you, you know people with their specifications, you know? Yep. My wives are going to be this and this and this and this. And you know what? Most of the things on these lists are all external things and very little bit about internal stuff. Dear Lord, you want to say bless the darling hearts. <laughs> Let's prioritize first things first. You know, the Bible says godliness is profitable for all things what it says before that it says bodily exercise profits but it says it profits little why because bodily exercise that'll profit you during this time while you're here in this body and believe me get all the profit you can out of it you know go ahead and get your steps every day i don't get as many steps as my man alan andrews does but i'm sure trying you know but uh uh there's something about t- taking the time to go ahead and pay attention to your body and paying attention to, uh, you know, get, getting uh, bodily exercise. But, but godliness is your number one goal because godliness is profitable to all things. Uh, you know, 2 Corinthians 4.16 says this, that even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is renewed, being renewed day by day. And you know, the way that God sees things, which has to measure up, uh, we need to measure up with the way God sees things. 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7 says, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature, because I've refused him. Talking about David's brothers when Samuel went to anoint the next king. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. We're talking about internal beauty here. Let's throw another verse at you. This is 1 Peter 3. This is, this is huge. 1 Peter 3, start with verse 3. It says, do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, or putting on fine apparel. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. Spend more time on the part of you that lives forever than the part of you on you that lasts for a little while. Spend more time on the part of you that lives forever than the part of you that lasts for a little while. Now, I got to tell you, we, we, let me mess with you a little bit more here, especially uh, uh, for for uh, single people that have the intention of getting married but aren't there yet. Um... um you know, in looking for a spouse, if somebody's not right in their spirit, you don't want their body. Because, you know, there, there's some silly song out there, and I've heard it several times in, you know, mall and, you know, different places you go, and they're playing music. And you got this dude singing, I'm in love with your body. And I want to look up to the speakers and say, hey, Einstein, they're more than the body that comes with the package. They're the spirit and soul. And I'll tell you, you know, having these things prioritized where first things are first, oh, i tell you, that's so huge because there's a whole lot more than this, this temple. There's the person who lives in the temple. And I got to tell you, uh, Uh, If you prioritize things the way God prioritizes them, you will be blessed and benefited by that, believe me. Because when it comes to beauty, you can have something that's external, but if it's not internal, it's not eternal. When it comes to beauty, you can have external, but if you don't have it going on on the internal, you don't have something that's eternal. Take that one to the bank, somebody. So remember this. You want to be beautiful? Well, salvation is beautiful. Psalm 149.4 says, He'll beautify the humble with salvation. You want beautiful? Let me tell you this. Holiness is beautiful. Get yourself a holy woman. 1 mm. Chronicles 16.29. Uh, it says, uh, halfway through, it says, I worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Holiness is a beautiful thing. So so, ladies, I'll say this to any single ladies in the house, that if you're looking for a husband, the kind of man you're looking for is one who realizes that holiness is beautiful. The kind of man you're looking for is one who does realize that holiness is beautiful and the one that although, you know, naturally speaking, of course, he needs to be physically attracted to you, but at the same time, there's the need for the, the prioritization of things, to know that that he is prioritizing not just the house you live in, but like we said before, the you that live in the house. And that he's prioritizing that part of you and, and looking to see what's the beauty of the person on the inside, that that's going to last longer than anything else does. When everything else fades, that's going to still be there one way or the other. You know, I... I I remember my wife telling me when we first started courting uh, some of the ways that she would uh, talk to guys that might start barking around the tree, shall we say, or sniffing around, you know, uh, back in the day. And, uh, you know, when she first became a believer in Jesus and uh, she would know how to run them off real quick. I mean, you know, you say something, you either go ahead and capture the right guy or chase off the wrong guy. And that's a good thing to do. She'd say, hey, I'm saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost. And if you want some of this, there's only one way to get it. Put a ring on it, somebody. (laughs) Now, for all all the wrong guys, they went running. But for the right guy, (laughs) was like, said, baby, let me hear you say it again. Say it again. Because holiness it's beautiful to me. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hey, how about practical relevance? You know, we saw that uh, the, the, uh, the instance of, uh, of this lady who anointed Jesus, that part of what she did had practical relevance. Jesus said she had anointed me beforehand for my burial. Well, you know, you see much of uh, the, the beauty of this throughout the scripture In Luke chapter 8, you happen to see several people, uh, ladies in particular, who actually were supporters of the ministry of Jesus. They provided for him from their substance. You look and see that in the first three verses of Luke chapter 8. Romans 16, you've got a whole lot about that. As you see... uh, Paul talking about several uh, significant ladies in the church and the practical help that they're offering to him. Romans 16, starting with verse 1. He said, I commend to you Phoebe, our sister, who is a servant of the Lord in Sincrea, that you may receive her in the Lord in a manner worthy of the saints and a sister in whatever business she has need of you. For indeed, she has been a helper of many and of myself also hallelujah. Here's somebody who's helping, offering some help, offering some assistance, something that's practically relevant. The next verse, greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus who risked their own necks for my life. Paul called these people his fellow workers. Look at verse six in the same chapter. Greet Mary who labored much for us. Somebody who put heart and, and soul and, and sweat and labor in, in, into something. You look at verse 12. These, uh, most people believe that these are twin sisters, Greek Tryphena and Tryphosa, who have labored in the Lord. So you see, once again, these people are helping. they're workers, they're laboring. They're bringing something to the table that's practically relevant. You know, the Bible talks about a godly widow and what she could bring to the table in 1 Timothy chapter 5, and verse 10. It says that she's well reported for good works if she's brought up children, if she's lodged strangers, if she's washed the saints' feet, if she has relieved the afflicted, if she's diligently followed every good work. So somebody who's a, a godly widow, has actually a wonderful opportunity to be able to pass on many of the practical aspects of life and the practical aspects of reaching out to people and, and to be able to show others how to do it. You know, raising children, showing hospitality, offering relief and assistance to those who are uh, in need and or those who are distressed. What an awesome opportunity to be able not just to practice that aspect of being practically relevant, but also to be able to pass it on and show others how to do the same. But today, as we get ready to wrap up, we're going to wrap up with this. Eternal significance. Because she did something that was she being the lady we talked about at the very beginning who anointed Jesus she did something that was eternally significant. She did something of, of whom, as we, uh, we saw what Jesus said, that wherever the gospel is preached, this is going to be told about her. Can you think about the importance of you and your life doing things of eternal significance? Sometimes it's just very simply tied to obedience. You know, we like to complicate it a whole lot but just, uh, just the aspect of saying yes to God is being tied into something that's eternally significant. Because remember, Mary, who said yes, who said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, let it be to me as, as you have said. But then later on, Mary, when talking to... Uh, well, actually, when, when, when speaking really prophetically and speaking by the Spirit in the presence of her cousin, Elizabeth, she said this, all generations will call me blessed. How awesome that is. That link to her willingness to say yes and let it be to me just like you said. Tied into that was the fact that she now has eternal significance because all nations will call her blessed. Why? Because she was willing to take the assignment that God gave her, Hallelujah. You know, think about this. Uh, you know, we, we just read in Romans 16 about some people called Aquila and Priscilla. Well, do you know that Aquila and Priscilla uh, saw the, uh, the 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 need to take uh, a young guy aside who was just really fired up, very eloquent in the Scriptures, and you know. Had a whole lot of potential, but was still at a point where he only knew the baptism of John. A guy whose name was Apollos. And if you read the epistle, 1 Corinthians, you see that this guy, Apollos, has a very significant role. And Paul's speaking of him as being a, a very, uh, 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 a, a very top-line teacher of the word. But you know what? When he was wet behind the ears and when he didn't have a whole lot going for him yet, there were some people that took the time and, and, and thought it was worth the investment to go ahead and pour some time into him to show him the way, to show him the ropes of the way of God, to do something of eternal significance. And because of that, they were a mentor to one who would ultimately end up mentoring many. And sometimes we... We see things so differently from the way God sees it because if we see ourselves mentoring one we don't see ourselves as having a big impact but if you are mentoring the one who in turn will go and mentor the many believe me you are having a huge spiritually significant eternally significant impact amen you know uh, 2nd Timothy chapter 1 I love this because this is Paul talking about Timothy's family, his grandmother and his mother. He said, when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you. Well, where did it come from? Which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I am persuaded is in you also. Glory to God. Talk about doing things that are of eternal significance. Pass your faith on to the next generation pass your faith on do not let things die with you stop with you make sure that you are passing on the very very word of God that's impacted you the very very faith that that you are grounded in and, and, and has brought you through the storms of life pass that on to the next generation just like Lois passed it on to Eunice and Eunice passed it on to Timothy you do the same thing as a matter of fact, let me tell you this. Even those of you that may not have children, there's the opportunity to be a spiritual mom. Did you know that? Look at Romans 16. We were there a few minutes ago, but now we're looking at another verse. Romans 16 and verse 13. Paul said, Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother and mine. Paul's calling this mother of Rufus his mom too. Because this mother, Rufus, though she's not named there, one thing that's very clear, she was a spiritual mama. Hallelujah. Paul looked at her in that way. What a mighty woman that must have been. Hallelujah. Be that to others. Be that. You know, part of, uh, uh, I remember when uh, Angela and I got married and we had personalized vows. And, and, uh, Oh, hallelujah. It just takes you back to uh, an amazing moment because you you know that you weren't just uttering words but speaking something that was so uh, impactful towards the future. I said, we're going to go ahead and finish raising Monica, my my oldest, my stepdaughter. We're going to have a child of our own. And we're going to raise all the spiritual kids that God gives us. And that's exactly what I said on that day. And I tell you, God heard those words. And I'm looking for a whole bunch of kids, glory to God. Because I want to pour into them things that need to be poured into them so they can go ahead and impact their generation as well. Praise God. Hallelujah. So the bottom line is this, you might be here today, you may say, well, Pastor Ray, I don't think I'm much of a God girl, or you might say, I'm not that much of a God guy, but you know, there's four ladies talked about scripture, one who pretended to, to be a prostitute and ended up sleeping with her father-in-law. That's pretty whack. I don't know if that term's still used, but I just used it anyway. (laughs) There was another case of a prostitute whose house was on the wall of an old city. It was a case of a woman who came from a religious background of cruel and perverse practices, including child sacrifices, and a woman who had an affair with a king. And you know where they're all found? They're all found in Matthew chapter 1 in the genealogy of Jesus. One is named Tamar, the other Rahab, the other Ruth, and the other Bathsheba. And all of them mentioned there. Because here's the thing. Despite what has happened in your past, when the blood of Jesus washes you, you can be eternally significant. What's the blood of Jesus' Of uh, able to do for you. Well, I tell you, that blood will genu- genuinely liberate you. You won't just be the one who gets overcome. You now become the overcomer. Revelation 12:11 says, and they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives to the death. By the blood, you're genuinely liberated, rather than the being one who's under with the other on top. No, you're the one on top. You're the overcomer. How is that? By the blood. The blood makes you internally beautiful. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18 Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they'll be white as snow. Though they're red like crimson, they'll be like wool. You know, the blood's practically relevant. You know, the blood of Jesus did not just take care of your spiritual condition, but has also provided for some things that you have to deal with in the here and now of this life. Isaiah 53, 5. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. That same blood that was said to wash away your sins has also provided you peace for your mind and healing for your body right here in this life. That blood is practically relevant. And by all means, we know that the blood is eternally significant. For the scripture says in Hebrews 9, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood, he entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption." Hallelujah. So the very, very same things that we're looking at is the qualities of a God girl today are the very qualities that are, when the blood of Jesus is applied to your life, it makes you all of those things. Genuinely liberated. The blood of Jesus sets you up to be internally beautiful. All the stuff you can never wash away, the deep-rooted things you can never get rid of, it can get rid of. It puts you in a position where you can be practically relevant, where you, your acts of kindness and your, your labor of love and the things that you do that nobody else sees are noticed by God, appreciated by God, and more impactful than you could ever imagine. And let me tell you, the blood of Jesus makes an eternal difference because whether you're washed in that blood or not, it affects your eternal destination. Let's pray today. Father, we honor you. We thank you so much for how good and wonderful you are. We thank you, Lord, for planting the word in our hearts today. And Lord, for anybody that does not know Jesus today, we pray that you're impacting them in a great and mighty way and reaching their hearts and working with them and bringing them to a place where they be ready to let that seed that's been planted take root. And that they would fully embrace you with all of their heart and soul. Thank you, Lord, for it in Jesus' name. Wow, the heads are bowed today as we're in an attitude of prayer, and I'm extending this to everybody that's here in the house and those of you watching my live stream. Anybody here that's been impacted by the word today, impacted by the tug of God in your heart, and you realize, you know what? I want to be a God-man. I want to be a God-woman. I want to go ahead and, and, and uh, allow him to do everything he desires to do in me, to, to let go of the, the the controls that I've tried to hold on to and to allow myself to be fully surrendered to him, knowing that I can trust him with all of me. If I can go ahead and uh, just speak to you today and let you know that there is no other way to go, there's no other road to travel that will absolutely bring you to the ultimate satisfaction in this life, but most importantly, to the destination you really need to get to in the next life. Because there's a real place called heaven and there's a real place called hell. But I gotta tell you, thank God Jesus has paid the price where we would never ever have to go to hell, but can go and be with the Lord forever. A mentor of mine used to say it like this. It would be insanity for you to go to hell when you don't have to go. And So I say to you today, he loves you. He loves you. He loves you so deeply that he's provided the way. Don't turn him down. He loves you. It's his very goodness. It's his very love that he outpoured that tells the story. He so deeply loves you. Don't be set aside and distracted by other things, but fully embrace him and be fully embraced by him today. If that's you, wherever you are in the house, raise your hand.